In January 2019, Michael Gary of College Station, Texas, turned on a camera and hasn't turned it off since. He began the Michael Gary Livestream Project, a one-year continuous livestream of every moment and every aspect of his life. Everything from hanging out with friends to sleeping to going out on the town is streamed and archived for anyone to watch. Until recently, the only things hidden were the bathroom and sex, but now, for the final quarter of the project, this too is all visible on a second stream. For this podcast, we will strive to understand the origins of this project, its evolution as the year went on, and the psychological and sociological effects it may or may not be having on Michael's friends, family, fans, and Michael himself. This is Once Upon a Time in College Station. So now we're going to do something kind of different that we haven't done yet on the show. Yeah. Uh, Simon did a little research, um, did some searching about parasocial relationships, yeah. and uh, we thought it was very, very applicable to the project and its fan base in some general. Of the fans, yeah, and I feel like this is a good episode to put it in, just because we we just talked to Burns, we got you know that faction of the fan base, we just talked to Shelby, we got that faction of the fan base. And so uh, we want to talk in general about maybe the fans who, like Shelby said, maybe overstep a little bit right. and uh, see how much all of this applies to the project in general. Yeah. So this is article is called How Our Make-Believe Relationships with Celebrities Shape Our Social Lives. And I'm going to put the link in the podcast description. It's written uh, by Lauren Young. She's great. I've read a few of her things. She writes for Science Friday. So basically she starts by talking about how people... You know, the TV show Friends, people, the long-lasting influence that's been having and how much people still watch it all the time. And, like, you can see that in the news recently. Like, f- buying friend, the streaming rights to Friends was, like, a huge multi-million, hundred-million-dollar deal, you know? And, uh, and it's because people... This, this story she starts with talks about how, basically, this one woman was really starting to feel like the Friends were her friends, you know? And... Um, so she said, watching these episodes seemed to be taking away from some of the feelings of rejection or distracting her long enough that the argument wasn't a problem anymore. She's talking about arguments in her relationship with her boyfriend. So basically, she was, was kind of using this world as an escape, you know? Right. Um, but so, yeah, parasols relations, by the way, are... I'm, I'm quoting this pretty much directly from the article that I said, like I said, I'm going to be posting in the podcast. Right. So, yeah, most of this is going to be either paraphrasing or direct quoting yeah, from the very article. dry <laughs> clinical stuff so yeah we thought that'd be really interesting i like so i know that they did listen. their own episode about yeah. it but i thought that we could do a better job maybe uh paraphrasing it that's right so uh parasocial relationships are one-sided non-reciprocal relationships often with a celebrity or other media persona parasocial relationships are strong emotional bonds with people you've never met and who do not relate back to you or can't if they're fictional characters that's another thing fictional characters come up a lot right like people i mean think about the harry potter fandom and right. lord of the rings fandom people go fucking and star game of thrones wars, anything star I mean, wars right yeah that comes up um yeah but the key the key thing here is that we're talking about a one-sided relationship yes um so these relationships grow as you seek out more information about the person reading magazine articles watching interviews on youtube live Mike, streams i guess in michael's case he's watching his live stream over and over and listening well, to podcasts about him listening yeah discovering and basically discover discovering their intimate likes and dislikes on social media so basically in these parasocial relationships um you're you're trying to keep up with like the latest development of this person's life you know and so in terms of like something like the kardashians you're watching every episode you're following them on social media Mm -hmm. you want to find out every single little dramatic moment you know yes and uh so it's like yeah so it's depending on 
who the celebrity is. You're waiting for the next TV show, the next album, or the next film. Or I guess in Michael's case, you're just watching. You know, you're waiting for the next. You're waiting for the sleep stream to end, so you can. Well, not necessarily. It could also be you're waiting for the next Q and A or yeah. newsletter or right, right, there, right. there's certain things that he does like that. Um, so the question I guess we all we have is why do these kind of relationships form, right? Sure. What, I, well, I, I think there's a lot. Is it a theory before I give you the answer? Sure. Yeah. I, I think that, um, firstly, it's it's a safe relationship where the um, target of your affection is not going to betray you or hurt you um, in any way. That I mean, that they can betray what you love about them, but um, it's not a personal betrayal in the same way. So you can invest a lot without the same risk for being hurt. It's kind of the same way that people... Uh, consider their pets, their kids, or whatever. Right. It's that you can invest a lot into your dog, and your dog is never going to fuck your best friend. So this is great. It's <laughs> like I, guess I was like waiting for you to finish before I can continue reading. <laughs> All I heard was "fuck your best, your, fuck your dog." I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, like, well, okay, your dog might fuck your best friend, but that should, probably should have been listening. That's a bigger problem, um, though. So actually, it's actually not as. Um, it sounds like maybe it's a we think and we probably are thinking it's a bad thing. It's actually not necessarily an, unhe- an, unhe- an unhealthy thing. Excuse me. No, I wouldn't um, say. That. I mean, I think that that happens every single book I read, every show I read. It's it's the question here is um, the scale or the degree to which right you love you're you love Ron Weasley right as your favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the useless one, the one who literally doesn't do anything. You know, the books for adults. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Harry Potter crew is Harry the Chosen One, Hermione the Genius, and Ron the Ginger. That's essentially <laughs> what it is. Um, so the, the common psychological scenario uh, that we just mentioned stems from the tendency of humans to latch onto and identify with people around them. Um, in one-sided relationships, a screen is not a barrier. You know, Even if mm-hmm. that person will never know us, meet us, you know, keeping up with their life brings us joy, or in our case hours and hours of work every week yes <laughs> um however once fans know so much about the inner worlds or their famous celebrities it can be hard to feel you know at a at a safe distance from them mm-hmm. but also it, they, she always goes on to say it's normal to be attracted to people in media just as it's normal to be attracted to people in real life well of course that that's the only reason that it works yeah otherwise media wouldn't have any effect yeah so i guess there's striking resemblances between parasols relationships and the real life relationships we have with our siblings best friends co-workers romantic partners um even though a celebrity or television character may not reciprocate your feelings you experience the same emotional and psychological ups and downs in a parasocial relationship that you would do in a real life social relationship yes and i mean let's apply this to the stream how many people were like furious well, like the catfishing stuff or whenever anyone comes into the chat it's like yeah. what's he doing what's this loser doing he's just a big loser right this loser sleeps all the time why doesn't he have a job let's go on let's keep going <laughs> call him a loser a couple more times <laughs> why don't you um yeah but I, I think that the obvious thing here is is being able to internalize the distinction and n- knowing one from the other it's okay to have both it's just when those lines start to blur is when it gets um maybe more unhealthy right there's a sense of social support in this emotional sense, I feel like, right? Definitely, yeah. So, uh, parasocial relationships are found across ages, genders, social groups, and cultures. It's not just, you would think, maybe just young people. Well, I guess there's always the classic example of, yeah. like, the older people who are into soap operas becoming addicted, you know, but... Yeah, of course. I mean... So, the, I mean, with technology, everyone's, everyone's everywhere. Well, I mean, my dad reads, like, one or two books about the Beatles, like, every year, yeah. and, you know, that that's... 
there's new info every year. Yeah, exactly. It's not like anything changing, but he has a certain, you know, relationship with them. Um, young adults revealed that 90% felt a strong attraction to a celeb attraction to a celebrity. 65% felt strong attachments to multiple celebrities and 30% even wished to be the celebrity they admired. The last one's a little, that one, that's, that's more like, I think when people say they want to be Brad Pitt, they want to have right. the looks of Brad Pitt. They don't want to be Brad Pitt. Well, I think that, well, I think they that do, they mean it more literally, but I don't think that they have any idea what that entails. You want to be Ron Weasley. Exactly. I wish I knew more about Harry Potter so I could make a good joke there, but I really don't. <laughs> Parasocial relationships, though, so she goes on to say, become some of our most important relationships. And while you may not be willing to tell others of your secret relationship with Beyonce, for example, uh, you should know that millions of others probably share a close imaginary relationship with her, too. Sure. And I think, that actually, this is might be where the, the Michael Gary community kind of, they're all kind of all in that kind of boat together you know yeah well i i think that that's also just the changing landscape like i bet if uh this article is written today yeah um even though it hasn't been very long you know obviously i my closest parasocial relationships are uh with my favorite podcasters and that's a very and then but the communities around those podcasts it's obvious that we all feel that way yeah yeah yeah. um whenever we communicate so that i think it never feels unhealthy in your mind because of that well it's also that i I'm never under the illusion that like, oh, if I met one of these guys, like we'd be good friends. Like I like, obviously there's like certain fan, uh, fantastical, like hypothetical scenarios you create in your head where maybe you would be, but I, I'm very conscious of the fact that it's, uh, it's very one way. And I think that that's, that's important. Right. So you would think though, this phenomenon seems pretty, you know, related to the rise of mass media and, you know, social media and uh, like kind of the oversharing nature of things in general nowadays, right? I mean, to me, it speaks to like religion and um, just like ancient... oh, good. I'm glad you caught my tea up. <laughs> it's definitely something that people have been doing ever since there have been stories and narratives around. Yeah, how yeah. about that? Yeah, that's what I was gonna um, say. I mean, it's the hero's journey. It's Joseph Campbell. It's all that, all that kind of stuff. Right. Interactions. These two um, researchers, excuse me. Uh, Daniel Horton and R. Richard Wool uh, introduced the idea of parasocial interactions in 1956. His name's R. Dick Wool. <laughs> Sorry. He's a seasoned professor. How dare you? I love Dick Wool, um, dude. But it started with like radio, apparently. Radio was ubiquitous and television was becoming commonplace. The first relationships to study were news anchors and radio hosts. I mean, whatever. I was going to say, know, yeah, Walter Cronkite. Pod- like Podcasts are just radio hosts, really, right? Um, well, but, I mean, radio hosts that have a much much more freedom and um a much more narrow they're they're allowed to be themselves in a way that radio hosts maybe are a little more limited so listen to this so this is great because and this whole this sentence is like literally my my thought process as i was reading it's great sarah's problem uh these interactions were a result of isolation and lack of time spent with other people i was like yeah that sounds about right and then the next sentence is a stereotype that wouldn't be debunked until the late 1980s (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh damn right but yeah, so parasocial relationships, uh, she goes on to say, aren't limited to celebrities or television characters. No, I mean, look at little kids with like a doll or something. Book characters, video game characters, and even cartoons. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I guess inanimate objects are, are different because you're projecting onto them. But yeah, I mean, it's it starts from the age of, you know, whenever you can experience those things. Yeah. So um, parasocial relationships are formed for different reasons. Um, they are can be used as an escape, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cognitive development benefit sure. or simply as a source of enjoyment which I think honestly I think two of those I kind of check a little bit I 
I would uh, I'm not, I would be lying if I didn't say that I don't exempt myself from any of this. Me diving into this a little bit heavy, more heavily into September was kind of as an escape of my best friend had just moved away. I was a little upset with everything. I was and then I found like a little bit of solace in the project. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told you this before. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I ever said that on air though. Um, but now, of course, it's just a source of enjoyment. I love like d- diving into this. Mm-hmm. But it's also more enjoyable because that relationship is built more, because you're more invested. Yes. So I guess you're right. If they go, yeah, you can't really, um, they're kind of inexorable. So a person can have multiple parasocial relationships. Some are romantic, some are friendships, and some are mentorships. Um, the the example she cites here is Lady Gaga fans who, which she calls her little monsters. Mm-hmm. And like, so she like welcomes that kind of, sure, you know, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the mentorship thing is definitely a big that's definitely a big thing for me and I think for the stream as well where like Michael improving his life, Michael working out, playing piano, whatever. That's, you know, like we said, like when we talked to Byrne and he said it made him want to be better. Right. That's the kind of, to me, that's... Uh, and like we said, who knows how many people feel that way. So most parasocial relationships are completely harmless. Um, the equivalent of caring just a bit too much. But the ones that get the most attention, and of course, I think I said this in a previous episode. John Lennon, that kind of thing. Yeah, when the one that she references is the one I reference is John Hinckley Jr., who in 1981 believed he was in a relationship with Jodie Foster and famously thought that by shooting Ronald Reagan, he could get her attention. Yep. The one everyone, it's the it's the classic parasocial interaction that everyone likes to yeah. cite because it's, right. it's the extreme one. It's the, right. it's, and the, it's the sexy one. It's the... Right, and to be clear, the thing that happened was not, well, this is all speculation, but it, it wasn't that because of, of media, parasocial relationships appeared and like this is just their inevitable endpoint because like we said, they've existed since uh, narrative, since storytelling has existed. Um, it's more speaks to the like American culture in general. It's the same way that, you know, it's not like, there's any reason why there shouldn't have been school shootings long ago, but it something happened in American culture that changed, not necessarily parasocial relationships. So then this next part's pretty cool. For the so violence. she uh, the categorized parasocial interactions and con- um, sorry, parasocial contact is um, is categorized into three tiers of varying intensity: parasocial interactions, parasocial relationships, and parasocial parasocial attachments. So interactions, relationships, and attachments. Right. So interactions uh, occur when you you are physically consuming the media, begin to feel emotionally invested in. I wonder. I want to. I want to see how many of these apply to the live stream community. You know. Okay. I assume um, they all will. I mean. You know. So yeah, you begin to feel emotionally invested in watching a TV show, a character. Whenever you scream at a character to not go into the dark, creepy cellar alone, or break up with a vindictive boyfriend, you are interacting with the character. So it's you know it's a TV show thing. That's harmless. Um, parasocial relationships, the next level of intensity, uh, form when you continue to think about the celebrity in question when everything is turned off. Uh, and the example she cites is during the height of the Twilight um, mm-hmm. buzz, you know, um, people... Would always tell me I look like Robert Pattinson. You wish. No, um, I, it was horror. I worked at the movie theater and gaggles of 12-year-olds would surround me and start cr- just laughing and pointing at me. Oh, I bet you hated that. The 12-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, people would would uh, express their relationship, their you know their desire to be with the actors, not just the characters. Taylor yes. Lautner, Robert Pattinson, 
um and and both Ron Weasley want to be want to be the character like they want to be with the characters but they want to be the actors too like the yes. actors are the characters there's no differentiating them you know right um you should use the microphone but, but this is this is a cool little fact which some parasocial relationships are powerful enough to influence big life changes uh Mae Jemison the first female black astronaut in space spoke about how she was inspired by Star Trek actress Nichelle Nichols who played Uhura on the original show sure um she yes yeah, that's pretty cool I think yeah, she was the lone black woman on that television show. Uh huh. That's and that's yeah. pretty cool. I think that is a that's a very big issue nowadays, right? Where they're trying to give role models to cultures that haven't historically had them, and then right. that's inspiring people to, you know, become that thing. Yeah. So, um, people can become deeply emotionally invested in their personal relationships, which can be reflected in things like trending Twitter hashtags, which are support pressuring a ma- major media outlet or something or a program to make changes or simply expressing heartbreak when a character dies right. you know or like dyeing your hair red and putting freckles on your face <laughs> that's right um so the final level parasocial attachment runs a little deeper an attachment develops when a person has a desire to be close to someone in order to feel more secure so the example cited is they interviewed a woman with stage four cancer who could only get through her chemotherapy sessions by listening to josh groban the presence of his voice comforted her. In these cases, parasocial relationships can serve as a kind of therapy. Another example cited is people, this person who went through a divorce would only watch reruns of the Andy Griffith show because seeing the community of characters reminded him of his childhood growing up in a small town similar to that on the show. Yes, okay. You know what I mean? This is, yes, I think this that... This is a classic thing, though, that happens all the time. I think this is like right. the nostalgia bomb that's been happening yes, lately. Yes, I think people, people... want the 80s, people want... Disney Plus, they want. <laughs> you want Disney Plus. You want people to want it's Disney only Plus. It's only seven ninety nine a month. <laughs> Fuck you. Just get um, it, man. Yeah, I think that the nostalgia thing is like it that ties right into this. It's I think. so times are tough. People like, I mean, well, it's so destructive because people have this idea that there was something there was it was things were better. Yeah, and they weren't. Yeah. And the more that you um, put it up well, on a pedestal, it was, it was better if you were like <laughs> like a heterosexual white male. Yeah, but it, I mean, I yeah, sure, which is not better for anybody, really. Like, it, is it better being a white male when half the population, not half, but a large portion of the population can't vote? I mean, like when women can't vote. I, yeah, maybe it's you have more right, but you didn't have a phone and you didn't have good health care. Like it wasn't better. Right? Right. Like it, it, your life compared to other people might have been better. But even a shitty life now is still better than a great life in, in the 1800s. Like, yeah. uh, in you know depending on what you're no plague today exactly right so it's like i I think any of this it's cool to look fondly on the past but when you build it up and and say like things will never be that good again you're setting yourself up for a lose-lose situation and there's uh, very little to gain from it i i hate i hate this uh nostalgia obsession um so actually the josh groban example continues a little bit more (laughs) um where the the researcher met a widow in her mid-50s standing outside of a josh groban concert i think this is different than the it's just another person attracted to josh groban that happens in the same Mm article okay what's going on there i don't know uh her husband had died of cancer a few years before tragically and when the widow realized that she was attracted to the singer she was stunned and that she could still have those feelings she said i'm thinking about maybe dating again i hear that a lot so that that, that's another example of a more positive um here's something that i think is going to relate really well to the stream ending okay okay so they go on to say people in parasocial relationships can also experience messy breakups mm-hmm. which i think is something that a lot of people are going to the example they cite a student came to uh josh groban concert a student was in tears one day 
uh, between sobs, explained that her favorite show, All in the Family, was going off the air. She had formed a tight friendship with each of the show's main characters and felt like all of them were abandoning her all of a sudden. This is, I mean, this is this is it, right? I mean, this is like, mm-hmm. you've grown to know Ethan, you've grown to know Davey, you've grown to know Michael, you've known, grown to know Beth. All of the all of the quote-unquote characters on the show, mm-hmm. that, were, that is the Michael Gary live stream, are going to be... I mean, on social media a little bit, but like not even remotely. The access you have now—it's like it's the show going off the air, literally, you mm-hmm. know. And I think this um, this level of, you know, uh, feeling like it's a breakup almost, and this emotional detachment, or this emotional investment—I'm sorry—is going to be tough. Well, what's interesting though about this situation specifically is that um, Michael's also breaking up with everybody at once. Yeah, it's not so. They're each having their parasocial relationships ended. Yeah, this is gonna it's a, gonna cause a great deal of grief. Yeah, and also by the way, the f- if you have uh, interacted with Michael in some small way, asked him questions on the Q and A, things like that, that doesn't elevate it out of uh, being a parasocial relationship. That having like the fact that we're saying when we're talking about friends, obviously, like yeah. y- you're not going to be talking to the creators, you're not going to be talking to the actors, but the fact that you can make a comment, Michael might respond, doesn't make it any different. It's I've still equally as parasocial until you have, um, like... I feel like this is a good point in the show to point out that Michael's literally sleeping a room above us right now as we're discussing all of this. Yeah, and, and <laughs> as of yet, it's still a parasocial relationship for me. I have not met you him have, yet. He hasn't met yeah. you yet. That's right. I guess speaking on the phone maybe counts a little bit. I guess so. But uh, yeah, I like how we're funny. being all fucking professorial. Like, oh, we're like we are so much better. We're like, look how smart we are. We're talking about this, and meanwhile, it's fucking ten feet away right now. Yeah, and we would as if this isn't some extreme parasocial relationship. Although maybe not. I don't know. Well, I mean, tomorrow won't be <laughs> anymore. <laughs> maybe just for today. So yeah, look forward to that. We have another podcast with him coming live from my living room. <laughs> I guess you'll know about that. You'll have known about that. Live from New York. It's actually New Jersey, and it's my living room. And you've also already heard the podcast because you just watched it when we were recording it on YouTube. Right, but I get to hear it all edited with our funny comments. So, yeah, in terms of, like, that breakup, the same feeling you experience during a real-life breakup percolate when a show ends, members of a music group go their separate ways, mm-hmm. or you, when you simply lose interest and move on to your next parasocial relationship. Um, so is Game of Thrones, like, you walked in on your significant other, like, sleeping with one of your parents then? Oh, Game of Thrones is, like, <laughs> you were in, like, the best relationship for, like, five years. And now you're in North all, Korea. All now of a sudden, like, the sixth year was, like, ooh, like, it's still good, but, like, remember the remember the fourth year? Yeah. Now you're in a relationship with a rock and a gulag in Siberia. And then the seventh year, it's like, all right, things look a little crazy, but this is kind of fun still. And then the eighth year, it's like, I don't know who this person is anymore. I want them out of my house. Yeah. Yep. Pretty <laughs> much. Is it you try to get them deported or something like that? Um. Yeah. Exactly. So of course, social media has changed the nature of these relationships. Uh, platforms like Twitter have transformed the nature of parasocial relationships, both intensifying them and making them harder to define as more celebrities actively interact with the fans and share personal information. This obviously applies to this project because if you are a fan at all of Michael, if you are at some point, he will probably respond to you, whether it's in a Q&A, whether it's a DM, whether it's in the chat. Like, you're not going to not... It's not like you're talking to Beyonce where she's never going to answer you, you know? I mean, I I think that speaks to the nature of how small project still is you know yeah that's that that is everything to do with scale right so yeah but this is actually kind of i think becoming a little bit of a problem because you suddenly you have celebrities responding to 
not celebrities, real people, mm-hmm. not famous people, I should say, mm-hmm. on Twitter. And these interactions take the celebrity out of the realm of fantasy and reposition them as real people. Right, which is the classic problem we've been having where we can't separate art from artists and we demonize, like, oh, you know, it, it happens to different levels. Like, we still listen to Michael Jackson, but maybe not R. Kelly so much, right? And it, so yeah, we're having trouble taking the person away from the product. Woody Allen doesn't really come out with movies anymore, can't really find a distributor. Right, but then know? there's plenty of, you know, examples of the of the opposite taking place where people do bad shit and we still you know look at any look at basically any artist i mean walt whitman was a certified racist i believe let's right um so yeah so this of course like i said twitter is creating a new expectation of intimacy um but this also leads to more frustration as well because and i think all this also applies to the (laughs) why did i sound like yoda just then this also applies (laughs) 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 got star wars on the brain man i got fucking 90 minutes till i'm there this so of course this Twitter direct form of contact has also caused frustrations with people uh, in terms of uh, people still feel restricted and lack control over the relationship because it's all and they all have all the power you know and this certainly applies to Michael too you could de- you know could DM all you want and be like sitting there like waiting to hear back like a date you know it's like oh hope, you know you know what I mean yeah of course um you know if you're tweeting at a favorite celebrity and they tweet back I can imagine that um some people may have more trouble disassociating reality from fantasy says the researcher because of this like twitter imbalance of power sometimes they feel a little bit teased by the situation but it's not like it's it's their fault right well there's also i think something happening where sometimes celebrities will answer things kind of in character you know like i imagine i don't know if this is the case but i imagine that ryan reynolds like when deadpool is coming out or, or stuff like that probably did a lot of Deadpool-esque tweeting, you know, and if you are, if you have that relationship with him already and then he's being in character and answering you, it, yeah, that's going to really blur the lines and make it difficult to discern what's, uh, what's what. So the capper on this, parasocial relationships are real relationships. The person on the, uh, on the other end of the relationship may never know you, but the feelings you form, whether you read a blog about them, watch them on screen, are real. You know, like, mm-hmm. you can't deny that. I mean, people who are obsessed with this project form a connection with Michael and, you know, and they yeah. probably heard from him at some point if they contacted him. Right. They, those, I mean, and I'm sure Michael probably doesn't even think, to, I mean, he has, like, people he thinks about, obviously, but if you've only contacted him once or twice, then, you yeah. know, he's I mean, not going to be thinking about you every day. Of course not. You know, so, but to that other person, that could have that could mean everything that one, yep. re- that one response you know yeah and it's the classic thing that we are kind of dealing with nowadays where people uh are always talking about you know the way that they feel and that you can invalidate somebody's emotions which is obviously true um but the fact that you're having emotions doesn't make something uh true or not but it but the but the emotionality is real right to you and that's what's kind of important here right and final point on this a lot of people talk about this online trend of parasocial relationships as being isolating now you don't have real friendships but this doesn't look like that's the case parasocial relationships are actually really normative and if you're good at making friendships in the real world you're also really good at experiencing parasocial relationships so but you're citing a study from 2008 that's saying that it's not unhealthy it's, it's perfectly fine but in 2008 we didn't have twitch streaming we didn't have live stream and the difference here is that you can watch an episode of friends every week and you can rewatch friends all the time if you want but you can't watch seven eight hours of new friends every day 
you can't sit there and only stream friends i mean you can do that but you'll run out of content and you'll have to be con- constantly re-watching episodes whereas we're talking about a live streamer right. or a twitch streamer you can easily spend eight hours a day just sitting there watching. or if you have multiple that you do you could spend all day doing that yeah. and that for sure is destructive yeah. so i agree that parasocial relationships in terms of the celebrity, your Beyonce. Well, just as a concept are not inherently unhealthy. Right. But I and, that and also doesn't mean that every parasocial relationship is healthy. You think applied to this project, it has the, the tendency, or the, the not the tendency, it has the um, ability to become extremely unhealthy? I would even say it has the tendency to. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, again, that doesn't, that, the thing is that that's not a judgment value. That's not saying that you're a good or a bad or a stupid or a smart person for doing that or right. not doing that. Right. It, it, it's, it's, just, just the, it's just the way it is. Right. And, it, and it's an intrinsic thing in you or in Michael or, or whatever's happening that makes you feel that way. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but again, like I was saying in the beginning, the important thing I think here is to be able to extricate the um, true relationships from that, from the parasocial rela- or the more typical relationships from parasocial relationships and being able to compartmentalize those mm-hmm. in your mind because once those lines start to blur and the your parasocial friends are your real friends mm-hmm. that's maybe when it starts to become uh more unhealthy right and you know it's going to be a question of much like a television show getting canceled a band breaking up this live streaming and this live stream ending in 10 days whatever it is mm-hmm. um Unless are, we end it I think sooner people i think people will be able to move past it and get over it definitely definitely i i, I don't i i don't worry that th- when something is really overproduced and people are doing crazy things like y- you kept bringing up the kardashians right like when when you're looking at their the parties they go to and the clothes they wear and the celebrities they meet and the vacations they go on and and all this kind of stuff uh it's a lot different than just watching michael eat breakfast so I'm actually going to walk back my comment. I don't know if everyone is going to be able to get over it because we've never really seen this level of access compared to what these these studies I just cited were talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, this is very different than watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you know? Yeah. This is everything. This is You get to see everything in his life. You know exactly how he feels. But I I think there's something about the distance uh, from something like the Kardashians that might... Make because the more distance there is, the more projecting you can do. Right. And the more projecting you can do, the more fantastical and perfect you can make it. So right. when it gets taken away from you, it, it's it can be more devastating. Whereas this is so authentic and so real, and so open and honest that it, it's much harder to put yourself on it. And then when it ends, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm just saying right. it might not be as um, decimating as as we think. That's a fair point. I didn't consider that. It'd be funny to go back to September when we were discussing all these elaborate concepts for ideas oh. for episodes and tell ourselves like, yeah, when you're discussing people who get too close to a to a celebrity or a star that you would be, we would be talking about this eventually with him fucking sleeping 10 feet above us. And that we would also be those people. <laughs> um, we're such assholes. We're like, oh, like, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but that's kind of the point of the thing, right? Is that we have to be like as objective as possible when talking about it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Objectivity is out the window, dog. Of course, but we can pretend. Oh, we have to pretend.
Hold on, I've got some level adjusting we're doing right now. Okay, cool. I talk really quietly, so. I do too, so that's perfect. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Except for Brian when he's editing later. Yeah, it's good. To, <laughs> no, it's fine for you to talk quietly. It's not fine for Simon to talk quietly. <laughs> and I don't want you giving him any ideas. <laughs> um, you guys sound exactly like you do whenever I'm listening to the real podcast. Hey, there we go. We're actually not cat lady catfishes. We're real people. Yeah, and not not deep, <laughs> not deep faking our voices in the slightest. Wait, you guys sound really far away. Is that better? That one. Whoever the second voice was was far away. Simon? Me? Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't talk into the mic. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. How do I sound <laughs> yeah. now? Does that sound okay? Yeah, you sound good. Okay, Here, cool. I can I can turn this up a little bit too for you. Um, let me see. Uh, is that so, better? Do 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 talking. Yeah, that's good. All right, okay, cool. cool. So so did uh did Michael take the fifty dollars or did he give it? He didn't give it to me. Did did you guys actually pay him? No, you owe us fifty dollars. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, yeah. That's not right. Okay, I guess the in- interview is over then. Yeah. Well, it's well, uh, thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can give back to Michael now, I guess. So, um, how did it feel going from being? Um, an observer to being a participant in the project I was super nervous like I barely said anything I was very like um, like closed off and and all to myself and I was like sweating profusely and (laughs) it was just like I was just so anxious and so nervous and like I think I only talked to Josh for the most part and then I cracked some like wise smart ass comments and uh you know made everybody laugh a little bit and just embarrassed myself <laughs> but overall it was like i think it was a good meeting like it, it i don't think that if you watched that today and then watched my interaction today with michael it would be like two totally different people yeah right but What's... michael's is the exact same person yeah yeah uh, what is it like when you describe the project to other people? Um, it's just real life. He's just being himself and that he wants other people to see like, this is my life. And, you know, if you have something that you're um, like insecure about or not sure about, or you feel like you shouldn't be feeling this way and you see him going through that, like, it's okay to talk about it. Like, it's okay. Like other people are going through the same stuff that you're going through. And what kind of reactions do you get? I don't really like talk about the stream to people in real life, but like on the whenever new people come on the chat and they're like, you know, asking what this is about and what's going on, um, the reaction is like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, how can anybody do this? Like, he's literally showing everything. And Mm -hmm. they would be like, they always say it's weird, but you know, like they're feeling this is like too much. Like, he's putting too much out there and they're worried for him. So, why, why, um, do you not share with people in your real life? I just feel like it's more private to me. Um, Cause you know, I work at eight to five. I go to work, I come home. I have a kid that I take care of. Like if I did, it would be, um, I would feel like it's my, like it's nothing that I want to share with them. Like This is my space. So you, you, do you feel that, the fact that it is that it is the size that it is and that there's not um you know like half a million subscribers or something makes it more special i think so i think uh since october whenever it got really big um with the nsfw 
um, I kind of feel like it lost kind of that personal touch. And, you know, uh, there was a whole catfish situation with Michael. It kind of closed him off a little bit to, um, like, welcoming new people and new ideas. And um, he just doesn't get, like, excited about all the newness anymore. Um, I mean, we've talked about the, the catfishing stuff um, a bunch, obviously. Um and uh, what did yeah? What did you make of that whole situation? Because it was obviously really getting to Michael, and you're you're not you've become one of his closest friends, so you you got to see you probably understood a little bit more of his like emotions and you know. But so yeah, what did you make of the whole situation in general? I was hurt for him, but also I was kind of, um, I guess like critical of him because he should have expected it, like these people that you know would want to do him harm or like get close to him and and have like that side of him but then them not be their true selves so i was kind of critical of that him for like not watching out for that but at the same time he wouldn't be the person he is if he was critical about that like he's just very generally accepting of everybody and um like and and you've talked about this before like he he didn't really question it until it was further along yeah um sorry we had a weird audio thing um so do do you feel at all like you have to be um protective of him and do not necessarily the dirty work but i i mean like the emotionally speaking where you have to be more cynical whereas he he can be more more positive about the situation so do you feel like you kind of have to come to his defense um against people that are taking advantage maybe yeah in a sense i probably do that um but like michael doesn't tell me everybody that he talks to like um he doesn't tell me oh like this person is messaging me and i think they're catfish like we don't have those conversations at all but whenever um like people come in the chat and they're like um well, Michael should have been more careful or he should have been like, hey, you know, this is his life and this is what he's doing. Like, this is just what he thought was best to handle that situation. And so that's what he did. And, you know, if if you were influencing him, then that wouldn't be, you know, true to the project. Right. Um, do you think the fact that this the one, you know, the big one that he, the catfishing situation, the one that he posted the DMs about and talked about in the newsletter and talked about on stream a bunch and talked with us a little bit about too. Um, do you think um, the fact that that was, you know, that was someone who was like active in the community at the time, wasn't just some random person, um, made that one like hurt a little bit more? It, it's almost like an inside job at that point. Um, Trojan horse kind of thing. Yes. Um, and that person is still active in the community, actually. Yeah. We, so it's it's kind of, like, awkward. Um, like, Michael told me who it was after the fact. Um, so it's just kind of like, do I be mean and just call them out? Or do I be nice to them? They really need this community and need to see what it really is. Do we shun them? Like, it. It, it's hard to, to kind of know what to do about it. But Michael ultimately feels like, you know, they have a place in this community. Like, if they need to come here to talk, then we need to, like, 
we have the best community on YouTube. Um, several people have said that. And, you know, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. So, I mean, it kind of seems like there's um, almost like a, a motherly dynamic going on. And then you're having to come to terms with the fact that you have to let kids make their own mistakes to learn sometimes. I don't know that I would call that like a motherly dynamic. Is more like I'm just a very protective friend. I, um, I, I would do that for any of my friends. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think, I think that's true. Like, I just, I'm just one of those people I have, like, one or two really close friends at a time. And, you know, once Michael moves on, I'll have a new best friend and I'll take care of them the same way that, you know, and it's just all about, like, treating someone the way that you want to be treated. Like, if someone was coming after, after me and saying bad things that I would hope that Michael would come to my defense and sit in, you know, um, say some of the same things that I would for him. And, you know, there's been times like where, you know, he can't see me and see my life, but he kn- when he knows that I'm there, he'll text me something or he'll just like try to make me laugh or, um, you know, ask me if I'm doing okay or ask me if I need anything. Right. It, it just goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna, let's, let's pivot a sec. Um, so you're also a moderator on the YouTube channel mm-hmm. and you're, you know, fairly active, um, what kind of, I mean, you know, you see new people all the time, you see the old people all the time, um, but is there any kind of behavior by, like, fans that annoys you as a moderator? This is going to sound really bad. I um, I don't like the people who come in, like, every three weeks, and they're like, hey, I've been here for, since the beginning, how's Michael doing, and, blah, 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 and you know, acting like they're his best friend, and I really hate that. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I can see that there's, you know, for for people that have invested and who who have spent the amount of time, it it must be and who actually know him, right? Yeah, it must be kind of weird to have people claiming that same level of of legitimacy when they obviously have no no claim to it. Yeah, for sure. There's a few that like I recognize their name and they come around sometimes, and they they. But they don't make a big deal about it. They're just like, uh, like, hey, uh, just checking in. Things been really busy in my life. You doing? What's he been up to lately? Like that's fine. But like the people who just come in like with a megaphone and they're like, I've been here since the beginning. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. The the chat is very, um, you know, it's really civil and 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 really nice. And there's like well, it's a- only civil because <laughs> Shelby's keeping it civil. <laughs> That's the truth. I am. I'm probably one of the toughest moderators to get by. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you, um, like, do you delete or I, I don't know what the term is, but that you, do you moderate? Um, all the NSFW stuff, I do um, delete that. And, you know, depending on the situation, like, I'll either just delete it and stay silent or I'll delete it and say, hey, you need to move this to somewhere else. Right. Um. All of that I do. If someone's talking about something that makes me uncomfortable, I'll like give them a warning, and then I'll just time them out if they keep doing that. Um, before the NSFW started, we did have like, I guess they called them raids, but that was, um, I think it only happened once or twice since I was a moderator. Right. 
Do you think, have you seen like any fans in your opinion maybe get like too invested in this project or even like Michael himself? Yes. There have been a few. And they, um, they, they just like complete fangirls and they just go over the top. And, you know, I imagine them with like posters on their walls and, <laughs> um, you know, like the stream, maybe not the stream open all the time, but like, Maybe they check his Instagram all the time or something. Can you describe maybe what, like, how you notice that? Like, what's well, how does that come out that, that now you're seeing that that's the case? They come into the chat and they're just like, Hey, Michael, how's it going? What have you been up to? I miss you so much. Okay. Did you listen, did you listen to that playlist that I sent you? Did you right. read my DMs? Um, do you think that, you know, maybe this, uh, unhealthy level of fan investment, um, like, do you think that that's going to lead to problems for certain people, like, come the new year when there's no stream? It might, but I think that, you know, there's always something else, something better to move on to, and I think with the absence of Michael's stream, they'll either go to his old archives or they'll you know find someone else because if you've been like watching Michael's stream on YouTube whenever that's done they're gonna suggest you a different stream to watch like I've already been having that happen to me it may not be like the exact same content wise but it's it's similar so the, the project is coming to a close and everything how do you think that that's going to affect Michael I think that at first it would be like a nice relief to not have to worry about um, the camera equipment and you know the audio and everything. I think with Ethan being there with him, it'll feel um, he won't feel as alone as if he just stopped and didn't have anybody. Um, but with Ethan and Harley, I think it'll be like really good. And he's got some like fun things lined up with his family and you know places they're gonna go and hang out and do stuff but after that i think that'll be like kind of like a gradual change into being alone in his car with his thoughts and i think that'll be very healthy for him to like reflect on the project and reflect on you know what the next step of his life is going to be um so have you have you noticed anything about the stream that has uh, changed drastically, obviously Michael's behavior, um, but anything that has changed drastically in a, in a good way or a bad way? Yeah, Michael's, um, I guess he's become more mature and more, um, and more closed off at the same time about as, you know, more people watch and more people are criticizing what he's doing. He kind of withdraws a little bit um, and then also I think some of his antics with, uh, Ethan have gotten more wild. Um, and I don't know if that's just like the way they let off steam or if that's just for content, like, I don't know, but it's very funny, but it's also, it's, it's, it's not like my favorite thing. Cause there's like no, I don't know what the word is. There's just like no consideration for other people or what's around them or things they're just very destructive <laughs> it's funny but they're just very destructive 
I mean, that, that, I think that's just the nature of the the age that they're at, you know. And yeah, I mean, I was definitely the same way. Yeah, me too. So, I think yeah, that's just boys. Of, you have that to look forward to in a few years. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how Michael can go from working at his computer, you know, quietly, and and you know everything's just very calm. To he goes, he literally just goes down the stairs, knocks on the door, and goes in, and there's Ethan. And they're just like, there's a little bit of like Ethan waking up, and then it's just like straight to the shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people kind that find that kind of endearing um, about the stream. That I think watching the relationship between him and Ethan um, is just, you know, it's just like mesmerizing. It's just a really, it's really fun and kind of innocent and. Uh, I think that that draws a lot of that that kind seeing that kind of relationship between best friends. Yeah, it's just like a, a pure just, friendship to watch. You know? Yeah, it just makes people feel good, you know, yeah. um, to know that there's like something out there like that, which I think is a lot of, um, you know, the point of the project. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier when we asked you about it that, you know, he was going through a lot and and people watched him and he kind of wanted to say that it's okay no matter what you're going through. Uh, you know, people are going through stuff, so. Um, in that light, what do you think is the purpose of the project? In like in your opinion. Um, hold on. Michael's computer went to the robot streamer and I don't want to see that. And <laughs> I don't know how to make it go away. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay. It's just a black screen, but okay, let me just minimize it. Okay. This is a MacBook. So the question was, in your opinion, what do you think the purpose or point of the project is? Um, at first, I thought it was about just putting your life out there and you know letting other people know that they're not alone feeling and you know like some things are taboo to talk about. Um, but you know this is like you know people do like go in the kitchen and and stand at the fridge and you know they don't you know cook and uh you know they they do like just weird things and you know they like talk on the phone while they're going to the like things that people wouldn't admit to like things those are things that real people you know they do and it shouldn't be hidden from anybody but i think after michael made the suicide post um I mean, I don't know if he actually said that, but that's just what I call it in my head. Um, I mean, that's I what think we called it, it, too. It just became, uh, like, more important to to me, and especially to Michael, because this is literally his live stream. Like, we're watching his live and he's streaming it, but also this is the stream that gave him life this year. Yeah, uh, when... <laughs> we were like what not even an episode in when that came out and so can you <laughs> just imagine how we were feeling when we put like had maybe even just the pilot not even the first episode and then we get that we find out about that and it's like shit like i turned to i don't think i texted brian's like we got to do good now man like we right. can't fuck this up that was when he listened to the pilot right and right. it was like the next day or something it was like, like that. 30 to 40 minutes after he listened to the pilot okay. he made that post and we're like and i remember Oh, texting wow. Brian like we gotta do this right man we can't right. fuck this up we we have to do right by this guy right well because originally we kind of were like 
you know, we'll, we'll do this podcast. And if we can get him to talk to us, that would be really cool. But it was kind of a long shot. And then when he was so like enthusiastic about being involved and like when he listened to it, it clearly meant a lot to him. That definitely drew us in a lot and made us more um, more attached and, and more and, invested for sure. Yeah. And, and we ca- we started to care more. I um, mean, it went from being kind of like an objective, uh, fun thing to look at to being um, something that was more personal uh, and that, that we cared about um, a lot so, more. So that's really cool because you guys um, didn't start in the chat and and then private message Michael and get to be, you know, personal that way. You actually became personal through this podcast. That's really cool. Yeah, I think my what was my very first interaction was in a Q&A in September when I asked one, the first time I ever even typed in the YouTube chat. I was like, hey, like, we were just talking about this project and we thought we we're making a podcast about it. And he was like, yeah, send it to me when you guys do it. And that was it. And then obviously took off from there. Crazy. Yeah, I think I think at that time he didn't really expect anything to come from it. Yeah. What do you think? Well, what, what do you think in the beginning that he expected to get out of the project? Not necessarily um, material, I, I mean, emotionally as well. And now at this point with the project coming to a close, what do you, do you think he's gotten that? Or do you think he has a different goal that he's looking for? Um, he used to joke that he was doing it to become famous. But I think um, actually he was just doing it to be the first person to do it. Um, I think that was one of the big things was he um he won't like he talks about this video a lot about how streaming for a week ruined my life or something and i haven't watched that video but um it, it's just like michael's nature like you know i did someone did this for a week and it ruined their life well i'm gonna do it here and it's not gonna ruin my life kind of like anything you can do i can do better i think that's kind of like the mentality that he Thank you for talking to us. You've yeah. been very forthcoming. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good night. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We want to thank Shelby again for talking to us. Yeah, that was very kind. Very of cool. It's very nice. Your time. And uh, we're, we got to say that, you know, we would have better audio, but Michael kind of got in the way. Once again, you know, yeah. he warmed his way in there and had to make sure that now he's even on. Sabotage. Yeah, and then he came to sabotage our part of the episode so as we well. We have Michael, quote unquote, in studio, quote unquote, unquote, with us. I actually need those mics back for the <laughs> sleep stream right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Michael's here with us to do a little post game uh-huh. on this. Uh, Ethan will be joining us shortly, maybe. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Mystery appearance. Let's yeah. do it. Shelby said being on the stream t- took her, for her a little bit of getting used to, right? Right. And so, I mean, with Michael sitting right here, w- was that a little bit, was that tough for you too in January when you started this? Did that take a little bit or did you kind of ease into it right away? It wasn't tough in January. It was, or it, I guess it wasn't tough in general, but um, as I mentioned before, I started practicing live streaming. Like I started just making streams and stuff um, off my phone and computer at first. And uh, at first it was like, you know, it was a lot of performance. Like, it's like, oh, like I'm on the internet. Like, let me roll around in my bed, do a somersault. And then uh, I got the equipment and I did a week with Ethan in December, early December. And that practice week was like, 
there was still like a lot of performing in there and that i think that was like the biggest adjustment period and by the time i started in january i mostly knew like what i was doing and there was not a lot of adjustment gotcha but is it weird to have to see the adjustment that people are that the other people are making like is it weird getting to know shelby and then also getting to know shelby a second time once she's comfortable with the being on camera yeah but i guess that's not any different than getting to know someone in general because it just might make it take longer, I guess, before maybe everyone, everyone kind of has their walls up at first, and yeah. then right. You make pretend so people don't know how much of an insane lunatic you are until you know you precisely can let a little bit seep out before while they can't escape while it's too late. Were those uh, practice streams? Were those online? Yeah, all of them are online. Are they are? Oh, they are online still. Oh, uh, they're not anymore. Uh, okay. Yeah, that could be a fun bonus thing, possibly. <laughs> Come yeah, like that would be January, really February, and people are like, well, "I want fucking more content." The only person who is uh, who was around on the original week stream who still comes around once in a while is Ian Live. Really? Yeah, Ian Live was there for the first week. Wow! Shouts out, number one first fan, Ian Live. I guess. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, okay, so here, this is something that I found really interesting: was that Shelby doesn't like to talk about the stream in real life. She doesn't mind. Like we asked if what it's like when she describes a stream to people. She said she does it in the chat often, but doesn't like to share with people in real life. Um, and people, she said people say that they think it's too much. She said he's putting too much out there and they're worried for him. And then also that it feels kind of private to her. And this is a quote from her. She said, um, I would feel like it's my space. Like I wouldn't want to share it. Um, and I thought that was really interesting that it's like part of what's, uh, drawing her, keeping her there, or keeping her devoted is the fact that it is smaller and that she does ha get to have a bigger part of it and that it is um, a thing that she gets to feel a part of and that feels very personal and making sure that that doesn't, almost like uh, being very active in a community and not wanting the neighborhood to get gentrified. It's like, you know, like this is our thing. Um, and I thought that, that was really, really compelling. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about that since we talked to her. Yeah, I mean, the, I would kind of compare it to, I mean, it is, if you, that obviously is her, her view of it, and if you, but if you juxtapose that with the growth of, if Michael wanted the project to grow, and if it was an insane growth, it would kind of be juxtaposed, juxtaposed, juxtapositioning, juxtaposed, juxtaposed positions <laughs> of like, um, you know, it, it gets too big because or it gets too big in her mind and it's kind of like it's like as she said it's her right. space but maybe it doesn't become her space anymore it you know it's personal touch right or, but for michael it's more of a success because there's more people subscribing and watching you know right and i think burn mentioned that he kind of had a similar not that it's like yeah. this is for me but also like were this to be uh much larger than i wouldn't feel so comfortable um, so so comfortable and so a part of what it, of the project itself yeah right uh, Shelby mentioned that she thought that you were uh, maybe more withdrawn and not as excited about the novelty of the thing. Um, and that like, so, so we're talking about what, what kind of size I would have to get to before we felt like it would lose that kind of effect. And I, it's, I guess it seems that Shelby doesn't think that maybe it, it's gotten to the tipping point, but that the NSFW kind of really pushed it on its way there, which I, I kind of disagree with like I I don't think that ju just because it's a, a numbers game really like it's just not big. Well, how many subscribers did you gain after the not safe work stuff? It was like a, it was a large like probably up, two thousand up, up curve, right? Yeah, so that's so like, it doubled basically. It doubled it basically, right? Yeah. 
but again that that the, the a lot. Most of those people aren't active in the YouTube community, so. It, well, I mean, if he, they're doubled subscribers, then yeah. They, oh, I see what you mean. They're just the, right. They're they're just there. They're watching, maybe, but it doesn't really change anything because they're not uh, participating. So it wouldn't it, it wouldn't matter if there was a hundred thousand subscribers if there was the same ex if the chat was exactly the same. Right. 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 The, when it starts affecting the community is when they're uh, being more it, participatory. I think it did affect the community because, um, when there when there's more subscribers and then there's there's a lot of people who watch don't interact in chat and just wait till I go to the bathroom. And right. those viewing numbers, um, they help YouTube send my streams to more people's inboxes and feeds. And because of that, I got more normal subscribers. Okay. Not that the other ones are abnormal, but you know, I got more like traditional subscribers mm -hmm. and, uh, that like, I think that added a lot of juice to the community of chat too. Because people found it who were, were like interested in the project because that so so it's like a positive feedback loop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you think that what you just said is uh, the is the why the sleep stuff ha generally has higher views than other normal day stuff? Because they're waiting for me to do something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, the sexual yeah. aspect. Yeah. Yeah. They like they like wait for me to wake up in the morning. Right. Stuff. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. We've definitely talked about that before. So we brought up the the catfish and you know the the old Trojan fish and. <laughs> Uh, she mentioned that they're still in the community, but she has trouble trying to navigate how to treat them. And she kind of implied that you think that they should be welcome and comfortable. Is that a view you have of maybe this specific person or is that a view you would have of everyone, like everyone's welcome regardless? I mean, I think originally everyone's welcome regardless, but... I think that breaks down to two parts because one with that specific person, like they demonstrated a really big sort of need for that community originally. Mm -hmm. And they clearly thrived what was going on. And then they expressed like, this is really important to me um, during the whole turmoil of that situation. Right. So that, that's how I would handle, or that's, that's why I said that I think we should handle that one that way. But in general, I, I tell the mods to make the chat, like whatever they want the mm -hmm. chat to be. Cause like the chat's not for me. Right. It's like not mine. The, the the stream part's mine, you know. That's a good um, uh, compartmentalization that that you do because yeah, yeah. You, you would there's no way you'd be able to control such a thing. No, and then at that point it'd be starting to affect the actual content. I think anyway. Yeah. 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 So I I said at one point that uh, she kind of has a parental relationship, like a maternal um, kind of relationship with you, where she's a little protective. She wants to, you know, like we said, like keep feeling like a like a part of the project and, and likes that it, that it's small and she kind of uh, pushed back against that and said she saw it as more reciprocal which it, it's it definitely is reciprocal but um do you think that there is a certain dynamic of people trying to or people being protective over you and having that very motherly instinct to want to uh just keep keep you safe and and that they're like they're watching to make sure you're all right and and things like that yeah, I think that's a lot of viewers feel that way, um, and, and not and by viewers I mean like especially people who I've talked to before and like there's communication. So the, the ones that you that you interact with, yeah, yeah. Um, does that make you uncomfortable in any way, or do you do you tend to fall into place and take the role of uh, maybe like a son or something like that, uh, or do you feel like those? that dynamic is not 
doesn't uh, seep its way into your interpersonal like communication. Yeah, no, I think that that's in the people who treat me that way. I think that that's universal in our interactions. And do you find that you are falling into like as they're falling into the role of a more parental figure? Do you find that you're falling into the role of um, a child or uh, not a child, but as a um, mentee or I, whatever you want to call it? I think I fall into the role of like, if anything, like an 18, 19 year old kid whose parents are like, you got to do this. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you for the advice and stuff. Always, right. But I got to do my own thing. Right. But, do you ever run into this thing where you think you see people maybe getting too attached where you don't have a relationship with them? Like Shelby. Right. Like, but before this, we, we talked about parasocial relationships right. for a while. Mm -hmm. And I know that you read the article that, um, and we, we referenced a lot. So. There's obviously those three levels of intensity. And do you think that you have, I mean, there's certainly fans that fall into the least intense group, I think, cause that's an easy one. But do you think there are any that fall into the second and third levels? Yeah, definitely. I think that there are a couple of cases where I've had people message me things, um, and it doesn't necessarily bother me, but it's clear that like this project is like, and maybe me as a, an idea or like a social figure is uh, like more important to them mm -hmm. than maybe I would expect. Um, do you worry that, well, one, do you worry for those people in general? And two, do you worry that they're projecting onto you a, um, they're, they're projecting onto you as somehow perfect or like they're, they're projecting stuff onto you that that's not real. And then it's impossible to actually live up to the expectations that they're setting and it, it they, maybe they're building up an unhealthy idea of who you are and who people can be and what they expect out of people in general. Um, so yeah, so I guess the twofold question being, do you worry about the people that are too involved and do you think that they're building an unfair image of you to themselves? I don't actively worry about it because I think that <clears throat> anyone can be in a place in their life where they have like an absence of relationships and so they start creating ones out of anything right like could be substances could be people online could be anything um and then could they, be books could be tv yeah, could shows be, whatever totally could be exercise and then they um get to another point in their life where they they have more real relationships with other real humans like face to face and um it's just another chapter in their book and so i'm not worried about that but uh second question what was that again um, was the the image that people build of you being yeah. unfair? Yeah, I think that it is, and um, it was obviously the antithesis of my goal when I started this project because I was like, watch everything, then you'll know everything. But clearly, in practice, that's impossible, and it's been like more impossible than I expected. I guess like people will really watch a couple a couple minutes or hours, and then be like, all right, I know this dude, mm -hmm. and I mean that's okay. Like that's that's what's gonna happen, but. I, I think I expected maybe less of that, but I've so, so one of the like DMs that I thought was really cool was someone texted me or DM me and they're like, today for the first time like I watched your day from like start to finish and I watched everything and I was like, oh that's crazy, that's really cool, that's wild, yeah. wow. Does that weigh on you that there are those very intense relationships that you just really don't have the time or energy to or maybe even desire to respond to and take part in like is that something that's gonna that weighs have on you knowing that the new year's coming up and there's gonna be a lot of people who miss you and, and feel abandoned or you know even though that's not what you're doing but they're they might well see it that no, no, way. no 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 that is i mean you are abandoning them <laughs> and that's not 
but no, no, no. But I, it, it's not. You have no responsibility not to. I mean, you you don't owe you don't owe anything. anyone anyone anything. But it, but it that, that that doesn't mean that you're that it's not still an abandonment. I mean, you know, that's not a value judgment. It's just a objective truth. I think I would feel bad if I didn't complete the project. I think I have to like actively remind myself that it's not my responsibility and like in a, a lot of times there's nothing that I can do or like would be able to do um, but yeah I mean anytime if you guys are walking down the street and you see someone who's like they're they're, they're begging and maybe like they're actually they're actually like they have something wrong with their leg and mm-hmm. they look like they're in bad shape like it's not necessarily your guys' responsibility to like save their life but you know you doesn't still, mean you don't want to you still feel something right right yeah your mother also said and i think i agree with her on this is that you're a after watching for a while that like you are a very empathetic person compared to someone like brian who would be doing this project who wouldn't give a shit about anyone um but i'm you, not a robot <laughs> i'm just <laughs> but you seem to actually care about people and want to know people and want to relationships are very important to you it seems and so does that the fact that you have to like remind yourself of what you just said is it just is it just because it's too it's just too intense for you to do and like yeah do you need me to take anybody out apparently i <laughs> apparently i'll feel yeah. no remorse of a list for you um i'm not even totally sure that the thing that that they want is me necessarily so i think that if some aspect of the community or a community or like other people that they relate to from this project like exists or transforms after this into something else then um i'm not even sure that i will be totally leaving them behind do you see the community still thriving past the end of the stream i'm not sure i think that will depend a little bit on the thing that i don't know which is like what i do right if i do anything um but even if I did nothing, I think it's possible that it still might. Well, do, do you think that uh, the community is sort of content driven where, like, let's say there was another live streamer who started on January 1st, mm-hmm. that they could kind of uh, migrate over there? And obviously it would be different, but that the do you think it's held together by the content? And were there to be no content that they would still have something to talk about or still want to? Because a lot of the times they're talking in the chat, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with what's happening yeah, on the yeah. stream, but it seems like it's because of the stream so if the stream wasn't there would they still be having those same conversations i i mean i don't think they'd be having the same conversations with the same frequency i think it's a little bit like if you all work at the same place you yeah. have more conversations with your co-workers that's fine I, when i was taking a shower i was thinking of using that comparison actually of um, what trying to keep up with co-workers after you leave a job or something yeah well just that you are close with them and you do like them and you do like spending time with them and it, when they do leave you'll say like oh yeah well you know we'll hang out and you do not do that and it's not because you don't like them or if you just, try to hang out with them you're just talking about old work ex- yeah, right. stories exactly. and it, right and it's not because you don't like, like oh, them shit, it's this, just, this isn't sustainable <laughs> the nature of the thing i know i always tell I've people that, that a bunch. they always walk away and they're like oh well we'll hang out we'll see each other i'm like no we won't and they're like why what do you mean i'm like we are not going to it's not that yeah. i don't like you it's that, it's that you're wrong that's so for sure that's not going to happen because uh yeah that happens to me constantly so Shelby did a little speculation on how she thought it would be when the project ends for you. Um, and she kind of seemed like mostly positive about it as far as uh, there's the relief of not having to deal with the technical aspect. 
Um, and then she said, she mentioned that you'll have Ethan and Harley there in the short term. And then you have a lot of fun stuff to look forward to in the, in the slightly longer term, still short term. And that having the time alone to reflect on your life and the project, uh, would be healthy for you. What do you think about is, or what do you think it's, uh, about what's going to happen to you when, you know, January 2nd first, it's a loaded question, but. What do you mean exactly by what I think is? Going um, to I mean in generalized like emotional uh, terms. Like I, I don't mean like where are you gonna go yeah, hang yeah. out. I, I mean like how are you gonna feel? Yeah, I mean I really have no idea. I think that I think that I'll. Uh, part of it will be like. You get. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of good like analogies that I think could be made, but like you get. Out of school, right, and like then you. I don't know. You you get out of something and then you don't have like the responsibilities associated with it and you have like a, a honeymoon period and like a little a little break of nirvana and mm-hmm. then uh and then your new reality sets in and then you have to like make sense of it. And I'm not sure what that process would be like. Are you worried that you don't know how you're going to feel? No, I'm not worried about it. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but like I I, I know. I'm not worried about that. Is there any emotion attached to that? Are you excited for this to end? I think I'd be more worried if I knew, if I was completely aware of like what was going to happen because I don't like having like, I don't, I don't want everything to be too solidified. But know yeah. What's happen. I don't think, yeah, I think knowing what would happen would drive anyone insane. I, I guess we've, we've been talking about the end of the project and the, one of the last things we talked to Shelby about was the purpose of the project. Do you have any insight on what you saw as the point of the project or perhaps seeing now as as it's coming to a close what the point or uh, has your opinion changed on what the point is i think the question of what the point of the project is is one that i was attempting to answer when i started the project and like the deeper i've got into live streaming my life and the closer i've got to the end the more i've realized that i will never know the point and like everyone else is going to f- come up with different points well, okay, then let me try to rephrase okay. it. Then, what's the point of not ending it in November then or October then? Like, what's why do the full like? What's the obviously just to, um, you know, make good on the commitment that you made, but that's not nobody's holding you to like. Yeah. Why is it so important to to hold to that commitment? The I mean, the simple answer is like a year is that. The but sim- that's an arbitrary number. It's an arbitrary number in terms of like, well, I mean, as far as like rotation around the sun, it's, but I mean, uh, but it could be 13 months or 11 months and it wouldn't, right. but a year is the simplest, like wow factor amount of time. And, uh, I think that your question could go the same direction. And like, if, if there is, or if you don't know the meaning, then like, why not keep doing it longer? Um, it it is like so much of it to me is unknown and therefore i'm using like arbitrary things to mm-hmm. give it a structure so th- i guess there's no then um intentionality behind the effects that you that the project is having or that you want it to have it's just uh emergent in in the doing of it yeah i mean i could point out small things and say like how it shows every aspect of life like yeah, I wanted that. I wanted mm-hmm. to. I wanted to capture everything in life. But. We got Ethan joining Ethan's us here now. 
Okay, so I wrote down a point. I can't say it until I hit your jewel. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you're not going to say your point is what you're trying to? <laughs> no, it's just like a, it's like a. My point is I'm not letting you hit it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you. Yeah. Man. <sighs> that yeah, was blow right in the mic. Perfect. All right, so um, my oh, point was, was point. <laughs> what, d- for the part I was listening to, uh, <coughs> Shelby was talking about how she was a little nervous when she first met us, and she was making yeah. some wisecracks. And <coughs> this was one of this was going to be one of my points that didn't really matter, but it was fun to talk about. But since this is my only point, I fully <laughs> expect it to be in the final version, and I want to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> when I first met Shelby, her cracking wise jokes was actually her jumping on the bandwagon of just making fun of me, <laughs> and that and by making everyone laugh, she meant she made she made Michael laugh. <laughs> and it's funny how she remembers the situation differently, but I remember it really clearly because I didn't like Shelby at all. <laughs> he still doesn't like her. No, no, no. I, I like her now. Mic drop. <laughs> I actually like her now, but for a long time when I first met her, longer than I would have admitted to her, I didn't like her. Because when well, she first met me... admitted to her. I just want you to know that. When she first met me, she made fun of me. She was like, yeah, yeah Ethan smells bad and he's ugly. And I was like... Well, she was right, though. I, I was like, lady, I just met you. Who are you? And then... um it's parasocial relationships. Yeah, I yeah. felt like... That could feed into parasocial, and that's why I brought it up. But you guys have probably already all covered that. But um, well, it is funny that like the first day you guys got here, this is what day three, and we're like, okay, yeah. we'll be really nice, to everyone. And now day three, we're just fucking shitting on Ethan. <laughs> Me and him. I mean, wait, when did that happen? Are you not noticing when we do that to you? I thought those were compliments. Oh yeah, word. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. You thought wrong. Yeah. Um, so you said you listened to the burn episode, right? Did you say that? Yeah, we both did. Yeah. Okay. And that obviously was one example of a fan who um, has gotten, you know, a lot from you in terms of like, you know, emotional joy and everything mm-hmm. like this. Is that something that you expected when you started this, that there would be people who really care about you and who who whose lives you've touched and you don't even realize it? No, not at all. That was like the furthest thing from what I expected. Really? I thought that it would be as lukewarm of reactions and maybe like elongated reactions, like watching a lot of it but i thought it would be people like oh like this is someone's life okay cool whatever but the fact that people have been like oh like this gives me hope like right the way that you do this inspire like the fact that you shower three times a day like i'm gonna go back to college and like get my master's degree (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's like far example that's not real yeah but but still stuff like that i mean i didn't expect any of that what Uh, is your reaction to the fact that you are causing that kind of reaction in people i mean i think it's great because the people who tell me that are generally people that are all of them are people i really like like they're super nice and they're the people who care about me and like they're always have my back and like they're the ones who are dming me and saying like hey you did this like maybe this can help or like maybe i can help mm-hmm. you in this way it's i mean great people um, so do you think that that's a reflection of you that because of the way you are and who you are that you're drawing people that you feel connected to when, when they say it? like yeah so yeah the, the fact that you are who you are draws people that you would get along with yeah 100 percent. i think that a lot of the people who do relate to me and the people who like the project and some of the ones who are inspired like it's not necessarily that they're really similar to me but it's that we all share like a very base common like structure of morality or looking at life or something right. like that so we were talking about the fact that while they might have different like say like political views or yeah, something yeah. like that they the underlying principles are are, are still yeah um, aligned mostly um so y- I don't know who said this, but it was like year versus week. 
Uh, so like someone did it for a week and then they yeah. like, ruined their life and like, I'm going to do it for a year and it's not going to ruin my life. Um, wanting to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did this for a year knowing that it would ruin my life. Okay. So that was the, okay. That was the premise. That was not the premise. Like that wasn't the intention, but like I was aware that there are like the expectation. Then. There are millions of opportunities I will never be able to do because of this. And like, I have, I've put myself in a very like, just far outside the norm category by doing this and in a lot of ways you could say like this this could have ruined my life if my life was going to be x y right right right. well another thing with a buzzfeed video the guy tried to do all the things he would normally do whereas you came at it with different intentions where this is what you were trying to do and everything else i don't know if it was that different from him in that sense like there are certain things that i that i don't do because i know it's not going to work like i don't go on hikes in the appalachians where there's right. no service cuz like obviously but i don't know i think that the reason that ruined his life is cuz he had shitty friends yeah did you guys watch the video no okay no. what were his shitty friends doing dude they're just like imagine all the people from my stream who i run into and like, don't put me on camera go like leave like that was his friends and you're oh, like wow. hanging out with them going out and they're like they turn away like don't look at me it's, I don't know. It wow. terrible. I didn't watch the actual stream. I watched his 20-minute cut of it, so yeah, that's what I got. Right. Um, and it's also possible that... What did he do for not safe for work stuff? Did he just cut it all out? Yeah, I don't think he should. Anything. Yeah, and okay. I assume that he was older, probably, right? Mm-hmm. So I think late he was 20s. like a late 20s BuzzFeed type guy. He yeah. worked at BuzzFeed. So I think that gives you more time to lie to yourself and build an image of yourself. <laughs> no, being honest, and build an image of yourself that is... Yeah not true to, w- to what you are so then the seeing of your true self maybe could be much more um uh it, it could be much more explosive another point on that like he did, i don't i don't believe he did what i did like i don't think he watched any of it back or i guess to, to edit it he did but like right. i don't think that he woke up the next day and went through and was like what to do like let me see what i did let me see how mm. I did. like i don't think he did that in the way that i do that so i don't i'm not sure if it if it explode his self image or not right well the fact that he also did it for like a a buzzfeed thing like a ticket there was a a, a, like a monetary thing behind it of trying to get clicks and stuff and the fact there's only a week tell i mean again i haven't watched this so i'm only speculating but i assume that there was some performative aspect on his part of trying to at least make it a little entertaining to watch back to create to to build a story right right. you guys ever and it wasn't even do you guys ever watch other irl streamers no. You know anything about them? Not really. All right, so that generally, like, you try and do crazy stuff. Like, you crack a raw egg in your mouth and, like, just punch a wall. You know that type of stuff. And, like, he... Just on one hand cracking eggs, the yeah. other hand punching the wall. <laughs> That's 101. And he sort of, like, geared his whole week. Like, he set up events. He had, like, a pastor come in and do, like exorcisms and <laughs> they did like a lemonade stand with a celebrity so that's not a live stream yeah, at yeah. all so oh, that's lame it essentially was like him trying to to gear a lot of content within it but yeah. also like once that stuff's over it is him going home and going to sleep yeah so okay. you get the same aspects but he was trying to pump it up with content obviously because right really, right get, get yeah I, I don't think that gives you time either to like really let the full weight of the thing set in which yeah. is why i arbitrarily chose a year it's because i knew that like you can't you can't escape your own reality for okay honestly even a month would probably be tough to get into as well it would be tough but it wouldn't be as impossible as a year me saying a year being arbitrary i don't mean that that's an arbitrary length of time i mean that the length of time could be 364 days or 360 it doesn't mm-hmm. make it just means that you can yeah you, you could pick whatever do you uh 
do you feel that pressure to provide content more so than to give yourself enjoyment? And do you ever act based off of that? Or has that pretty much dissipated at this point? I think, yeah, you could see me in the beginning. Um, I mean, you could make an argument that all of my chat interaction is, or like a majority of it is wanting to provide content or like wanting to satisfy the viewers. Right. Um, some of it's like, I see something like, Oh, like, and then I'm just having fun talking to them. But back in the beginning, I would try and talk to like every message and be like, mm -hmm. Oh, like, are you read this? Here's this, here's my thoughts. Um, but no, like it definitely this late in the game. It's like, I'm definitely doing whatever I want all the time. And did that take that? When, when do you think that that kind of, um, was the tipping point for that? Yeah, I know exactly what it was. It was, um, when I was doing like when I started painting every day, uh, like just to, to make money for my uncle, I was just like painting his house and every day. I'd wake up, and, like eat and paint, and it sucked. Oh, that's when we first started watching. I think right. I used to see him painting all the time. Super boring. And I was like, God, this is terrible. Like, and that so that at that point, I was like, I can't balance like trying to read chat and stuff at the same time. Like, I'm just sh like sludging through life, just like painting. And right. so, I was just trying to stay focused on like. You so know. once life got in the way, kind of. Yeah, then I was like, and then once things cleared up a little more, then I was really having fun, like, not worrying about the responsibilities of, like, you know, make sure that you're talking to everyone, try and, like, you know, make yeah. sure that they're just, that, yeah, that's it. And when my equipment got better and stuff, then I don't worry about technical problems. Right. That helps. Maybe this is an obvious question, but um, when you do things like climbing abandoned buildings yeah. or going ice skating yeah. or stuff like that, do you, I mean, obviously that's stuff you would probably want to do, but in the back of your mind or even... Do you, you ever think just like, oh, this is going to be great for the stream? I do think about it. I mean, it's not – I mean, I, it's very infrequent that I forget I'm live streaming. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's there. I have a feel my backpack. But, um, like, I could address both those. Like, with the climbing stuff, I generally think I probably shouldn't do this because I'm just incriminating myself. Like, this is a felony. But mm -hmm. it's it's fun. <laughs> I like doing it anyways. <laughs> but uh, and, and it's clearly true to, like – I want to, I want to cap, I want to do what I would do normally. Right. And, uh, so then there's, yeah, that's, I guess there's both pressures from that. There's like, I shouldn't do it, but like, I guess it would be cool too. But at the end of the day, it's just, this is a sweet construction site. I'm going to pop in and like, see what's going on. Right. But with ice skating, I was, I would be ripping through those people anyways. Yeah. But yeah. like, cause that's fun to do. But I also know, like as I, like halfway through, as I was ripping through, I was like, Oh, this is probably cool. Like, it's probably, it looks I, like an obstacle course. I pulled it up a little bit while we were while we were chilling there, and it did it looked pretty. Awesome. Yeah, because we were cool. like, where we couldn't find you. Like, let's see where where he is based on like where the stuff is, and it, yeah, it was actually. Yeah, we were like, cool. where is he? Rad. And we were like, what are we talking about? Who's the first pull it up? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just want to thank Shelby again for thanks, talking thanks to for us. Shelby. Yeah. Thanks, Michael and Ethan yes. for for doing this with us. And we're gonna have another podcast next week. Um, that's gonna our, be all four of us, our right? Final one. Um, for now yeah well we might do maybe like a wrap-up one but okay. yeah otherwise that would be uh pretty much the last one yeah very special in quote-unquote in studio episode with ethan and michael next week yeah which you'll probably see on the stream before we put it out yeah but well, that's okay <laughs> whatever you can hear the edited version where it's better yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this has been once upon a time in college station i'm brian i'm simon thanks for listening i'm michael and obviously i'm ethan <laughs>if you find this project fascinating and want to check it out for yourself, go to michaelgary.com. Gary is spelled G-E-R-R-Y. If you want to show your support for the project, subscribe to his Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelgarylivestream. Music by Dr. Dobbler. 
You can find him on SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify at dr.dobbler, no spaces. You can check out the comedy podcast I do with Dr. Doppler on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts by searching for The Stanley and Branley Show. Send any thoughts or questions for us or topics you want us to discuss with Michael to onceuponatimeinpod at gmail.com. All submissions will be anonymous. Links to everything mentioned can be found in the podcast description. 